No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we begin the book of Esther, an amazing story of God working behind the scenes to save His people. We hope you'll join us now in Esther chapter 1 on Simply the Bible. We walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The trouble is, most of the time, we don't know what God is up to. We can't see Him with our physical eyes. But through eyes of faith, we see Him working behind the scenes on behalf of His people. And that is certainly true in the book we begin today. Esther is unique in that God is never mentioned once. Yet it is evident that he is working behind the scenes to bring about his will for his chosen people. In the midst of a worldly, sensual, thoroughly secular culture, God is ordaining circumstances to provide for and protect his people. The book of Esther is a beautiful illustration of Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. As we read through the Bible, Esther is out of chronological order. It comes after Nehemiah, but it predates it about 40 years, just about halfway between the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra and the rebuilding of Jerusalem in Nehemiah. Now, in 538 BC, the Persian king Cyrus had issued a decree allowing the Jewish captives in Babylon to return to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple that was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar 50 years earlier. Only about 50,000 Jews took advantage of this offer out of a much larger population. Sixteen years later, God sent the prophets Haggai and Zechariah to encourage them to finish the temple they had begun. Now, the book of Esther begins in 484 B.C., or about 38 years later. Ahasuerus was the king of Persia. We begin in Esther chapter 1. Now, it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this was the Ahasuerus who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all, Now, this king, Ahasuerus, is the Xerxes of secular history. And Shushan, or Susa, as it is also called, was the capital of Elam and the location of the winter palace of the king. The historian Herodotus refers to this amazing banquet as the occasion of Xerxes' strategic planning for a military campaign against Greece. It was intended to impress his officials so that they would follow him into war. Now, Xerxes' father, Darius I, had invaded Greece and been shamefully defeated. While preparing to return to Greece to get his revenge, Darius died. 
Now Xerxes felt compelled to avenge his father and to expand the Persian Empire at the same time. What an extraordinary party this was! Xerxes invited his officials, nobles, princes, and servants from 127 provinces that stretched from India to Ethiopia. He showed off all of his vast riches and glory for six months. And when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Shushan, the citadel, from great to small, in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white and blue linen curtains, fastened with cords of fine linen and purple and silver rods and marble pillars, and the couches were of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white and black marble, and they served drinks and golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance according to the generosity of the king. In accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory, for so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. After the six-month party for the VIPs, Xerxes opened the doors for one week to anyone from the city who wanted to come. This was an opportunity for the common citizens to see the lavish opulence of their king. They all drank out of golden vessels as much or as little as they wanted. Nothing was compulsory. Unfortunately, today in some circles, a person who doesn't drink is ostracized. But this pagan king, in a godless celebration, didn't make it mandatory to drink alcohol. People were free to drink or not to drink. Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in the royal palace which belonged to King Ahasuerus. In those days, the men and women celebrated separately. They were not mixing their drinking and their sexual pleasure. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded his seven eunuchs, who served in his presence, to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing her royal crown, in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. After seven days of partying, the king was drunk with wine. As people often do when under the influence, he did something that would have been against his better judgment had he been sober. He gave the command for his eunuchs to bring out his beautiful Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown and most likely unveiled. Xerxes had displayed his wealth and luxury. Now he decides to bring out his trophy wife and parade her before these drunken and lustful men. We read in Proverbs 31, where a mother gives advice to her son who would be king. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Unfortunately, Xerxes, in his state of intoxication, lost his head and would soon lose his wife. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, brought by his eunuchs, 
Therefore, the king was furious and his anger burned within him. Now, put yourself in the king's place. He is trying to impress his guests and convince them to follow him into war against Greece. But his own wife refuses to obey his command. He was embarrassed, humiliated, and angry. But we can also understand why Queen Vashti would refuse to submit to this foolish and degrading command of her husband. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for this was the king's manner toward all who knew law and justice, those closest to him, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who had access to the king's presence and who ranked highest in the kingdom. What shall we do to Queen Vashti according to law? Because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs. The king was so angry that he didn't know what to do. So he called for his trusted advisors, his cabinet. And Mimukin answered before the king and the princes, Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will become known to all women, so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes when they report King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought in before him, but she did not come. This very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen. Thus, there will be excessive contempt and wrath. Mimukin accused Queen Vashti of wronging all the princes and all the people in the Persian Empire. But wasn't this overstating the case? Would all the women now despise their husbands? Would Vashti's actions really lead to the demise of every household throughout the empire? I don't think so. Mimukin made a mountain out of a molehill. It makes you wonder what kind of relationship Mimukin had with his wife, if he even had one. Mimukin continued, If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it will not be altered, that Vashti shall come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. When the king's decree, which he will make, is proclaimed throughout all his empire, for it is great, all wives will honor their husbands, both great and small. Mimukin, possibly concerned that the king might later change his mind, advised him to issue a royal decree recorded as a law of the Persians and Medes, so that it could not be altered. Now, the powers of the king were limited to the laws of the Persians and Medes, so that once a law was passed, it could not be altered, not even by King Xerxes. Vashti would now lose her place as queen and be replaced by another. Do you think wives would really love their husbands more now that they were ordered by the government to honor them? Can such love and respect in a home be legislated by the state? I think you know the answer. It was a foolish decree issued in anger because the king had himself acted foolishly and under the influence. But such edicts declared in wrath never change people's hearts.
The reply pleased the king, however, and the princes and the kings did according to the word of Mimucan. Then he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province in its own script, and to every people in their own language, that each man should be master in his own house and speak in the language of his own people. Now, this was the edict of man, not of God. The truly amazing thing is that as this story unfolds, we will see God's hand of providence working behind the scenes. On the surface, it is difficult to see how God can work in this godless and sensual culture. But God was working then as he is today. Even the foolish, selfish, and egotistical actions of man cannot change the heart of God toward his people, nor stop his hand from executing his will on their behalf. And we will see how God would use this situation to save his people from destruction. This book of Esther has much to say to us today because it is easy for us to get our eyes on circumstances and off of God. And when we can't figure out why things are going the way they are going, we lose sight of the fact that God is still sovereign, working behind the scenes to work out his good and perfect will on behalf of those whom he loves, that is, you and me. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208-319-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Tomorrow we'll see where King Xerxes seeks a new queen to replace Vashti. Esther is a young Jewish woman who is chosen, along with many others, to receive beauty treatments before going to the king. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Esther on Simply the Bible.